You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priestley with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. We're a couple days away from Notre Dame. Number 10, Notre Dame. Number 12, Notre Dame. Where are they? Number 12 in the AP. Number 12, Notre Dame against number 18, Wisconsin. Guys, let's, let's, uh, in segment one, let's just, let's talk about uh, this game specifically and, and ways in which you think Notre Dame can win this game. I mean, there, there are many, um, you know, but the, the biggest one to me is you want the game plan to be pass first and pass second. I mean, I, I think this, it's one of the rare instances where if, if Notre Dame has 40 pass attempts in this game, I think that's a positive. Um, that's, that's how I would look at it from Notre Dame's point of view offensively. Defensively, I don't think Wisconsin is going to score much at all. Um, you know, I, I think this is a game that could be decided with a winning team scoring the teens. Um, you know, Graham Mertz has been very ineffective, but um, it's – to me, this game, it would be decided either Notre Dame is going to have some shot plays in the passing game and they'll win, or they won't be able to protect Jack Cohn enough to get to those shot plays and they will lose. Like, that's that's how this game goes one way or the other. I'm in lockstep with you, Pete, on that. I, I know the dangerous word when you're predicting something, that Notre Dame won't be able to run the ball. But I don't know they won't be able to score points in the game. Like I, I think that Notre Dame could have success passing. Clearly they cannot face third and nines and beat Wisconsin with chunk throws downfield. That's Wisconsin's too smart of a defense for that. You got to pass on first down more than ever. This is, I have never said this in a podcast or a pre podcast before we worked together that Brian Kelly does not have to run as much as he likes to run to win this game. He absolutely should not because I think both off, both offenses are bad on third down and will Notre Dame will continue to be this year because it's 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 the distance you're going to face. It's not like everything is just not functioning. And I think no matter where Notre Dame's defense ranks right now on third down, it's probably like 68, I don't remember looking recently. I think that that is just going to continue to go up to be much better. I think Notre Dame has a good third down defense. I think they have a good defense. And I actually believe the defensive players when they talk about, hey, we had an adjustment period. There's just some little things we had to adjust and Drew White used the word incline. I do not believe a single word an offensive player says when it's like, oh, we have adjusted some things. My pass set just has to be better. I think we're going to be fine. I don't believe that at all. So I think Notre Dame is better in almost every phase of the game except the most important one. Yeah, it's really important, that offensive line against the, the defensive front. And, and Wisconsin is, year after year, Jim Leonard's defenses are among the, I mean, literally among the top five in the country. And they are, again, of course, it's, a very small sample size at this point, but Graham, Graham Mertz needs his supporting cast because he's not going to win this game on his own. Um, you know, I mean, you're not going to be able to just lean on him to win this game. And they're going to, they, you know, they're going to try to run the football against what is, has become again, look, that looks like a, a really stout Notre Dame defensive front. Um, Notre Dame. I still think Notre Dame has a better opportunity to score points than Wisconsin does because of their skill position athletes in the passing game. Do you guys agree? Yeah, it, go ahead. Pete. Yeah, no, I just say like, I think it's very notable when you go through the Penn state box score. Like I realized that game was pretty hard to watch if you watched it, but Penn state, I think had three 40 yard pass plays in the they game. Did. Um, and there was a 25 yarder in there as well. Like they're, they're susceptible 
I don't want to say susceptible, but like, this isn't like the 85 bears. Um, you just have to make sure you protect long enough to get to those shot plays. Um, and so, but if you do, then I, I, and I especially sort of like a, you know, we all, you talk about regression to the mean sometimes, like the performance by Jordan's receivers last week was the outlier. I think the rule is more how they played against Toledo and Florida state. So pretty good bet that they'll get back to the rule after a really poor performance against Purdue. I was going to mention that um, I, I don't think I said Notre Dame can't run the ball. I do think Wisconsin can find a way to run the ball against Notre Dame, especially if they keep them out there long enough. But I think Notre Dame can pass the ball, and I don't think Wisconsin will find a way to pass the ball that successfully against Notre Dame. It's a fascinating matchup. There's a couple things both teams can't do, and we assume there's a couple things both teams can do. Yeah, Wisconsin will have success running the football, some success running the football. But they don't have to passing. No, they don't. And I, you know, uh, Pete and I were talking about this the other day, you know, their fan Hicks, their best cornerback didn't play in the last game. And it's uncertain as to whether he'll play in this game. Also their free safety Colin Wilder would miss the, the Eastern Michigan game as well. You know, I still look at, and, and I, I agree with regard to the wide receivers, they're going to have a bounce back performance. Brian Kelly talked about Kevin Austin today about you know the standard that he sets for himself and what his expectations and you know he is averaging uh 19.3 yards per catch and and Avery Davis is at 18.6 I realize a lot of that is from the 62 yarder but Notre Dame has some big play guys in the passing game that if you can just give Jack Cohn some time which is it's just going to be it's going to have to be quick drops and throws because uh I None of us has a whole lot of confidence in Notre Dame's offensive line holding up against a, you know, a, a, a deep drop by Jack Cohn and then sitting there in the pocket and stepping up. And it's just not, it's just probably not going to work that way because they have not reacted well to linebacker blitzes. Painted an ugly picture there. Jack Cohn dropping back and just waiting for this offensive line to hold up their block for that extra second. And yeah, I think quick, I mean, quick shots in, I'm with you, Pete, man. 40 passes is – it better be 40 passes. It's, yeah, isn't it I mean, funny? We can, I've, never had, I've never endorsed a, the the extension of the running game concept more than I am right now. No, well, I, it's just – it's sad, but it's true. But I think they can move the ball as long as they don't get any – don't get too pig-headed on running, you know? I think it's kind of funny that, you know, Michael Mayer had a, had a low-production game last week, and we really haven't talked about him this week. I mean – he can emerge again as the stud that we know that he is. And if that happens, then you, you know, then you open some other things up, um, you know, offensively as well. But as far as getting the ball in the hands of the running backs in the, in the, uh, in the passing game, this is why I, I, this is why I thought in the preseason that, you know, Kyron Williams would catch 50 passes. Uh, Maybe that's a, you know, maybe like, he's going to average four game and that gets him over 50 over the course of a 13 game season. I, I think that's pretty much, that's pretty much a gimme. Um, and you, you have to do that in this game. Tommy Reese has to be incredibly creative. Um, you, you can't abandon the run, but you also can't just, you can't just think, okay, this is bread and butter running between the tackles. I I don't know. I don't know at what point you're going to feel safe running between the tackles in this game. Is there not not in this game? Probably. 
No. It's, I had a question in my mailbag today about like if Notre Dame's game plan would be similar to the Georgia game plan from 2019, where I think Tony Jones finished that game with nine carries. Avery Davis, who was playing running back at the time, I either had two or four, but like they had yeah, carries like in the teens, 14 carries for the game. I yeah. Believe. Yeah. And, you know, there was a Lawrence keys had some end around types of plays in there too. But um, yeah, I don't, um, I'm not too far off of that. Like if you told me it Tyree and Williams combined for 20 carries in the game, I wouldn't necessarily think that would be a bad thing. I think where we would be far off of it, not far, but a little off of it is that, Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree are better than Tony Jones was with, at that point, even though the line is nowhere near as good as the 2019 line. You just want to get Kyron Williams and Tony, uh, Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree the ball as much as you can. Sometimes it's got to be running it to them. Um, sure. you, di- you didn't necessarily say, even though, you know, he's an NFL player now, I'd like to point out, you didn't necessarily say we want to get Tony Jones the ball as much as we can, like you do no. with Kyron Williams. No, no. So there's been speculation all week about Kurt Heinisch and his status for this game. Brian Kelly clearly. Uh, he was asked about Kurt Heinisch. He didn't even address him by name and talked in general terms about, you know, there are always guys that are that are questionable or what have you. Our stance on this at this point, now that Brian Kelly has made his last comment about it, is that I, I mean we don't we don't believe he's going to play a significant role in this game. No, I w- well I actually would think he would play no role or a significant role, right? Well, I'm 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 trying to yeah, couch, yeah I'm trying to couch it a little bit that we don't think that he's going to play a significant role and and perhaps none at all. Yeah, What's I mean, your? It, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. He, I would just you will be the first person that I try to find when Notre Dame shows up at Soldier Field on Saturday morning. Like that's there's a there's a you know we always hear players like you know and there are a lot of whispers sometimes that. Uh, you know, somebody was trying to tell me that Michael Mayer was hurt earlier in the year and was going to miss some time. I can't remember even the game, which obviously was not true, but like, there's always one player you're like, okay, I heard a little something this week. Like I got to find him. Um, Kurt Heinisch is that guy this week. Well, we haven't, I, we haven't talked to any one person that, that says, oh, he's going to play. Right. Yeah, I have not either. Yeah, well, that's a good way of putting it. So we shall see about that. That would be, and I, and you certainly understand Brian Kelly's stance on it and he doesn't want to talk about it. And Kurt Heinisch is a significant part of, of Notre Dame's successful defense. So if he does not play, it's, it's Howard Cross um, in the starting lineup, presumably Jacob Lacey would be involved and in Aiden Kanana is healthy again and ready to play. And I will say about him, you know, in the spring, he was carving out a role as a goal line player for them. I, 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 I saw more out of Aiden Kanana in the spring than I anticipated. So his return is extremely important here, uh, depending upon what happens with, with Kurt Heinisch. As far as Cam Hart and Tyler Butner, we anticipate those guys being ready to go. We'll be back. Segment two, burning up the boards. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is called Burning Up the Boards, and we start with a familiar name, Jim underscore Booney underscore CRS. Who's the game record for Wisconsin on both sides of the ball? I think there's more defensively. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. all like right in the middle of the field. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, it's, I mean, Chanel coming back is big, I think. No pun intended, as boy would our 
colleagues enjoy this one at the media. Just couldn't find couldn't find a funnier thing than how big the linebackers are. Two hundred sixty one pound linebacker. Yeah, so, I mean Sanborn's a returning player that you, <laughs> the nose tackles and the inside linebackers, and it's just going to be a big day for them defensively. Their strength is in the pack, and their pack is really impressive. Well, Brian front. Kelly said today that you know the the sum of the parts is greater than the individual yep. parts, and that is that's. That's Wisconsin football, man. And, you know, and that's why, like, the preseason speculation about, well, you know, look at the telling of Wisconsin. Look at that. That's not the point with Wisconsin. It's the group that beats you. And they got a, they got a really nice, they got a really nice group in that front seven. Offensively, uh, the, the game wrecker is probably uh, Isaac Garendo, the, the running back that I guess he's number two to, Ches Malusi, but he had an 82-yard run against Eastern Michigan. If you've seen that guy run, he was three-time state 100-meter champ in high school. Yeah. He, he has great speed. So he's a guy that and Notre Dame has proven a little vulnerable to, to long runs. So keep an eye on uh, Garendo. I mean, the, you almost say the game records. It's like 2017 Notre Dame. Is it, is it the tackles? Is it Beach and Bruss like it was Nelson and McGlinchey? You know, that this is what you're looking at. It is This is the definition of the pack versus signaling out people. Yeah, it's, I mean, Tim Priester mentioned Keenan Benton in the first segment. Like, that's, I don't know, it's not really a game record, but, like, yeah. occupying two people, then then he turns into the guy who allows Leo Chanel, yeah. the, you know, those linebackers to wreck whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, I you know, I like uh, Henningsen. They're one of their defensive ends. I like him. Uh, Nick Herb- Herbig is one of their, any one of their linebackers can blitz at any at any given time. And I really like him. So yeah, the, 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 the collective is what's good about that side of the ball. And then, you know, I don't Danny Davis, the third, the one of their wide receivers who I like, I, I, I wouldn't consider him a game record. Grendel's yeah. the one that has the, the elite speed. So you, you want to keep an eye there's on no him. Seatless, right? That's, that's how you want to No, 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 but I, de- but I wouldn't underestimate. I, I don't want to underestimate Davis because I think he's really good. And I really liked, uh, he's more of a possession receiver, I guess, kind of Jack Dunn, but he's a guy that can do some things. But those aren't game records. Garendo's the one with the, the flat-out speed. Irish for May 2. What would be more surprising? Notre Dame rushing for 150 or Notre Dame giving up 30 points? It's a good question. It would maybe be a better question if 150 number was a little bit lower. Right. Uh, but I mean, Notre Dame giving up 30 points to me would – you know, you can – I've never been – you know this how many yards is so-and-so or is this team going to run for it just takes a 65 yard run to throw all of that out of whack I definitely i would be more surprised by norton giving up 30 points i would mm, i'm not sure I, I i'm torn on this one so i feel like 30 points like they played three games they give up big plays in two of them and not in the other one so they've given up big plays more than they haven't i I'm sort of with you guys where I, I feel like that's trending in a positive direction is unlikely to backslide, but. Um, well, it's not a big, big, it's not a big play Wisconsin offense with the know, longest pass uh, of 23 yards. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I guess I would, I'll go with, I would be more surprised by the 30 points, um, but I would be surprised by both of them. If that makes sense. I'm surprised by both, but I'm more surprised by 150 rushing. They've had Notre Dame has 30% of their uh, rushing yards on two carries this year. I don't think those they're not. Yeah. I think you need two of those runs for Wisconsin. The re, I don't, I don't think Wisconsin scoring 30 points, but 
you know, Jack Cohn has had an interception touchdown. You don't think that's going to happen again, but you sure do think it's possible that strip sack is coming again from behind, right? Yeah. And that's that's where the cheap points come. And yeah. Tim and I, you and I were talking about it. Points aren't yards necessarily, right? I yeah, mean, I, I, I think Wisconsin's going for 450 yards, but points can happen. Yeah. Yeah, they can. I mean, it can happen on special teams. You can happen on a, a freak play defensively. No, it is. It's a good line. It's a good, it's a good question. I, both of them, <laughs> I don't think either is likely to happen. Right. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Insane ND Tucson. Who has the bigger advantage? Jack Cohn knowing the Wisconsin defense or the Wisconsin defense knowing Jack Cohn? I think, I mean, it's kind of like in the way both would surprise me before. This is like neither of them was that much of an advantage, but I would, I would assume there would be Cone knowing um, Wisconsin more than the other way around because it's it's about the playbook and the schemes, not more than it is about like the player themselves. Like you should, if you watch three games of Notre Dame, like you know everything you need to know about Jack Cone. You could skip over everything he did at Wisconsin, um, but it's the it's the plays and you would think Jack Cohn would have a pretty good idea of like how Wisconsin likes to do things defensively um that but again I, I don't think that's a, a huge story that is going to impact what happens Saturday I don't think it's a huge story um but I was just on our Wisconsin radio show and it made me this question they kind of asked me this question and I answered it with a question who had a bigger advantage when Notre Dame played Phil Dracovic last year Notre Dame's defense on Phil Dracovic knowing him or Phil Dracovic knowing Notre Dame's defense. Well, I would, I would always answer that the co- the, the coaching staff is going to know more than the you know the opposing player. The would, probably knows more about Cone than Cone. Yeah, yeah. I you know I I, I definitely would say. And BK, Brian Kelly was asked about this uh, on Monday, and he says he's not being into you know pumping his quarterback about from you know that let the coaches coach. And I, I just, I would always give the advantage to, we were asking, we're being asked to choose between a player versus a coaching staff. And I going to side with the coaching staff having a little bit more of an advantage. Judge Arthur Vandelay, what will we see more of Saturday, two tight end sets or two running back sets? And I would like to insert that these are the best three questions to ever start a podcast. Yeah, no, those are really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, I, but I would definitely say two tight end sets. You know, we we talked about this in the preseason, the two running backs. And I do think that, um, you know, I think they'll continue to use that more and more, but it's going to be a change of pace. It's not going to be something that they run regularly, unless this is the game where they run that regularly. That's a good I, point too. I have been surprised how little two backs have been used. I thought it would be more of a, more of a thing. Um, two tight it's two tight ends by like it could be working their way in that direction p you know i mean you don't you don't tip your hand all the way in the first few games i know they were kind of fighting for their lives at times but uh tim uh, you're you're (laughs) reacting you were you were reacting to uh to my commentary there i mean you're probably right i think you're both right (laughs) but my vision of takis being your 11th player on offense it's well maybe it's joe no it's probably joe all joe all is your 11th player okay Joel does a better job of block. Obviously, will do a better job of blocking than a tight end. But I don't know if you move the ball in Wisconsin with the rest of your offensive line because you decide to go heavy. I feel like as long as they're not in empty very often, I am all for Notre Dame trying to play this game as horizontally also as possible. Like make 
them guard 53 and a half and a hundred. Um, the empty set, I saw something on Twitter recently by ND football analytics and kind of, I've never liked the empty set. Cause I feel like it invites the blitz this year. I really don't like the empty set. Well, better, the blitz gets you, home no matter what. You better get rid of it. If you're yeah. in an empty set against, I, I, you know, I mean, the question is, it's not like, it's not like one or the other is going to be used predominantly over everything else in the game. Hopefully we have no idea at the end what they, <laughs> what they did more of. Like, I'd like to be able to insider, you know, instant analysis be like, was that mostly two tight ends or mostly three wide receivers or mostly what? Because that would mean he really calls a game. Well, we, we'll just, we just need to track down Samson because he'll have that charted out. Right, Pete, chart that during the game this time, please. Thank you. Well, I was just, I was looking through my notes, my chicken scratch notes here and like, I had them doing four pass plays out of empty set last week against Purdue. Cone was two of two for 42 yards. One of those was the Kyron Williams touchdown. Uh, but the other ones, he was sacked twice. So yeah, it, throw pass, obviously. Not, it was not a great situation in terms of, you know, it, I mean, I don't know if you want to live like that if you're Notre Dame. Like touchdowns are sacks, and the touchdown being a fourth down completion that was just squeezed in there. Um, I don't. I like the idea of empty in theory, um, but I think in practice it is a, a bit bit riskier than it might appear. I, I will say this: I think you know the two back set. There's a vast amount of offense to be had in that set that we haven't seen yet. Whether whether this is the game where we see more of it. Or not, I don't know, but I, I do think that there's a there's a, a a segment, there's a room in the in the in the playbook that uh, that is that is still pretty empty as far as what they can do out of the two back set. Don't you feel like that ties with Tyler Buckner though? Like Tyler Buckner is the quarterback I want to see so, back. Yes, yes, definitely. That's where they have more options, certainly. So, how do you feel about Kelly's answer about Buckner today? I mean, he's not going to give anything away there, nor should he possibly give anything. <laughs> there's no. a there's a geese in the background again at the O'Malley. You're house. talking about his his status. Like, I mean, yeah. I I was not overly encouraged by uh, Buckner's medical status based on Kelly's commentary and sort of like being somewhat fluent in Kelly's. That's how I felt too. Poorly, I felt bad. Uh. <laughs> Another great question, by the way. ND one Cubs one. Rank these as the most likely to least rank these as the most likely to least likely mirror Saturday's result. And these are disparate results. 2017 Miami, 2012 Oklahoma, or one of the worst games of all time, 2015 yeah. College, because that was ugly. Well, I don't I mean I don't see any scenario any scenario compared to Miami in 2017. Well, I think it would be they can't uh, move the ball, is what he's saying, maybe. I don't see but Wisconsin's not putting 40 up while they're not moving the ball either. No, this is a Boston College type game. It's a it, it I mean it it looks like it's going to be very ugly and it, it very well could. I have one for you. Stanford 2014. Uh, 14-10, 17-14. Even Stanford, the, the famous game with I think there'll be maybe more points scored than that one because yeah. uh air in this one. But um I feel like it's a Stanford game a Stanford Notre Dame game or Notre Dame once yeah. Notre Dame was good enough to, to battle them. Yeah. Cause like the Boston college one was so weird in the sense of like, 
Notre Dame was way better than Boston College, but just couldn't get out of its own way. I mean, that game was so ugly, the media guide still listed it as a loss. <laughs> it's awesome. It's true. They really do list it as a loss, and they won't stop, no matter what we say. No matter, no matter how hard we try, they won't change that. They just won't. Bray 81, besides Kyle Hamilton, do we think the defensive backs are capable of shutting down Wisconsin's wide receivers? Yes. Yeah, yeah I do. This is the game where I – with more faith in Notre Dame. Like, if this question was USC, <coughs> my answer, but it's Wisconsin. So I'm sticking with their Notre Dame's DBs will be just fine. That's why I mentioned Quintez Cephas. They do not have that. They do no. not have right now. Danny, Danny Davis is their best. Kendrick Pryor is uh, is pointing in the right direction for them. I mentioned Jack Dunn. Tim Ray DK, I don't think, has really quite developed yet for them. Um, you know, and I think Nordames, I, I, I wrote about it this week, and I think I wrote about it after the game, that Notre Dame's corners are doing a, a, a pretty decent job, especially the last last two weeks. The big plays have in, generally involved safeties. Um, I, I think Nordames' corners are definitely trending in the right direction and should continue to trend in the right direction against this offense, this quarterback, these receivers. Right. Training Dave, your thoughts on Wisconsin's safety play. Can Avery Davis and the slot position exploit it? Pete mentioned the three 40-yard plays that Penn State had against them. I definitely think, you know, I mentioned the injury. I, I, I think that uh, I think Scott Nelson can over can overplay some things from the back end of the, the Wisconsin defense. I think Nordin can take advantage of it. Again, all contingent upon how much time Jack Cohn and Tyler Butner have. To me, it's kind of one of those things where, like, can Avery Davis exploit Wisconsin secondary? If Wisconsin is going to double team Michael Mayer on every snap, yes. Um, if they're not going to double team Michael Mayer, I'd rather Michael Mayer exploit Wisconsin secondary. It's like you go back to the Davis touchdown last week. There's like two and a half defenders to, on Michael Mayer on that snap. Um, and that leaves Davis totally wide open in the middle of the field. So it's, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, as long as you don't have drops, which I don't think they will, Notre Dame has answered one of Brian Kelly's major offseason questions, and that's like, if you take away Mayer, do we have something else? And I think the answer is, yeah, we've we've seen enough to know Notre Dame has some other stuff to go to. So it's um, whether it's Davis or Mayer or Austin or Lindsay, like somebody's going to be open or somebody's going to be in one-on-one advantageous positions. I think Kevin Austin bounces back in a big way yeah, this weekend. Yeah, it might have been the best thing that could have possibly happened to Notre Dame was him having <laughs> an absolute dog of a showing because that's not him. We have a writing question. We have a writing question over under here. The first is from a uh, longtime listener, Tim O'Malley, and the second is from Pete Sampson. <laughs> Our first one over under receiving yards combined for Austin, Mayer, Williams, and Tyree. So the four best weapons 230.5. Over, yeah, I I definitely take over. I I am too. But I, 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 Austin has a hundred by himself in this game. And then for Pete, circa Monday, over under rushing yards, Pete. I couldn't go away from this wonderful question of yours. Between Kyron oh, Williams and Tyree, sixty-seven point five. Under. Man. I mean, that's, that's, that's like the, you know, a a low over under line on a, on a game. I, 
Yeah, uh, I'll 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 say under. I'll say under. Yeah, it's uh, it's that it's that whole two carries is the whole thing, right? I mean, Tyree has really been bottled up in the running game. We don't notice it because uh, he has made an impact in the passing game. So you don't think of him being totally bottled up. But I mean, what's his longest run? Twelve. He's not at twelve. His longest run against Purdue was six. Yeah. His longest run against Florida State was twelve. And Toledo, I don't remember anything longer. You know what? I'm going to take over. Remember this, okay? Remember yeah. that I'm taking over. Somebody, one of them, one of them's going to snap one off, but it's going to require Tommy Reese outfoxing Jim Leonard, which is no easy feat. Denver Maximus, coming into this year, it was thought that the defensive line was Notre Dame's best unit with great depth. Outside of starters Tagovailoa Mosa, Jason Adamalola, and Isaiah Foskey, how would you grade the backups and the depth to this date? Another good question. I'm very impressed. But Justin Adamiola has played. Justin Adamalola, we've been corrected for the last time. Yeah, even though, even though we were told by a family member three years ago, four years ago, that that's... We've been corrected by a family member now. Yeah, now we've been corrected by a family member. Okay. Justin Adamalola has had a really good year as a backup defensive end, especially if you want to say as a backup. I mean, he's had a good year for a starting defensive end. So. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, Mills would be disappointing to this, obviously, at this point for us. I think all three of us, right? Yes. And then Nano Safa Mensa had a really good game against Purdue, and that's something that I did not think I would say out loud. He's really trending in the right direction. He was not trending anywhere before the Purdue game, right? I mean, that's really good effort by him getting involved. Yeah, I really sort of saw him as, like, the last of that group. Yeah. Uh, you know, just not I, – I didn't know if he was sort of nimble enough to to give you anything. Um, but, yeah, no, he, he he affected the game in a positive way against Purdue. And then Howard Cross, who um, – you know, I don't think anybody pushes Howard Cross around, but I think he's kind of at the stage where Kurt Heinisch was early in his career where he was just kind of holding the point of attack, whereas with Heinisch now you see him quick off the snap and – and uh, and getting through the a gap, I, I I think Cross has that type of ability. But man, when we were, I think it was last week, walking off the field, and and uh, Cross walked right by me, and it, it, he's just not that big of a guy. Uh, played yeah. in post tackle position. Remember, he was he was recruited, or he came coming out of high school anyway. He was a strong side defensive end. Uh, and, and perhaps uh, transitioning to a three technique. We're talking about nose tackle. Not a big guy. Tough, you know, great hands, strong. Um, and they're going to need him a lot this weekend. Yeah, I think solid year from Cross, though, even though we, I think right now we're lamenting what he doesn't yeah. have. No, no, I solid year, yeah. Start, he might be in a starting role is why we're lamenting what he doesn't have. If he wasn't in that, I would say another another solid backup. Um, I think Jacob Lacey can be better, certainly. I mean, Jacob Lacey has to be better is the way to say it. I don't think that happens this week. No, and, and I would have a lot more. I really like Aiden K and I and I as well. I just wish he has played already. Right. No, I agreed. Would, that would really help. And Gabe Rubio, Gabe Rubio hasn't. I don't think that he's played. We do have a question about freshman playing time. I don't think he he hasn't played yet. Hasn't um, been, no. And there's a lot of upside there. I just we're probably not going to see that this year. Question from ND Hawk fifty eight: Is Tosh Baker too tall to play guard? Yes. In my untrained professional scouting opinion of height of guards and tackles, I would say yes. But yeah, I mean yeah. six eight guards. I'm not sure how he bends well enough either. I, I, Mike Mike McGlinchey can move him 
play guard in the pros I mean, once in a while. But that's I mean, I, I understand the question. It's a big guy, a guy that doesn't necessarily have great feet on the edge. Uh, but boy, you better you better bend at the knees and you better get your pad level down to be playing inside. I, I you know, I in the spring it, it sounded like okay, we're going to determine once and for all what position he's capable of playing. And they said they concluded that it was tackle. So I presume that he will likely stay there through his few, uh, career at Notre Dame. Okay, Beasley, with this being game number four, <coughs> run through who will burn their season eligibility and thus not be a redshirt candidate. Uh, three guys have played all three games. Three freshmen have played all three games. Lorenzo Styles, Joe Alt, and Mitchell Evans. I'm not sure that most people realize that he has played in all three games. Um, Colsey's played one. Justin Walters has played one. We're now having a heck of a time determining whether it's Walters or, or Logan Diggs on, on the kick, kick team. Uh, I think Walters wears a lot of wristbands. Okay, well, let's look for that then. Uh, uh, Audric Estime has played in two games. Philip Riley has played in two games. Of course, Blake Fisher, the one game. Did I mention Colsey has played in one game? Kahanu Kia has played in one game. Prince Kali hasn't played yet, but I would anticipate that he will, as long as he's healthy, he will uh, he will burn a year of eligibility this year. Pretty sure Tyler Buckner is going to burn one too. Oh, I forget about it. the early entry guys. I don't, yeah, he's going to burn one too. Uh, Colsey was in that last game, but it was a no play. So he got, he has saved a, play, a game. Um, I bet he does not play this weekend. So then they have some, I don't know when they start making decisions. I don't think it's till the bye week because really if Deion Colsey's good, you have 0% chance of bringing back your fifth year wide receiver, Deion Colsey. So whatever, play him, right? Whenever yeah. I, you know, I hate to sound like everybody else, but, they need to try to get him on the field. I, I, those are just gimme completions to him, man. I, I just, you don't, it doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to run some elaborate route. It's, it's Deion Colsey, throw it in the yeah. same zip code. And, <laughs> you know, he's probably going to make the play. Priester is a Deion Colsey in the red zone. <clears throat> it has been since early on. I just, the way he separates from a DB when the ball arrives, it's really, really impressive. Chad Flanagan. Should Notre Dame fans be happy with a three and two record through this five game stretch? If not, what record should make us happy? <laughs> can you can you imagine? Can you imagine? There is no there's no scenario where a Notre Dame fan could be happy with three and two out of five games. No, you could be happy with ten and two. I think that's, that's, yeah. that's the scenario. I think yeah, I think it's that's a that's the best way to put it. If you were just looking at these five games. Four and one, you could be happy with yep. three. You could not. However, if Notre Dame finished ten and two at the end of the year, I think there's a pretty good portion of the fan base that'd be like, "All right, good year." Way way higher portion than there would have been three weeks ago. Yeah, I think. I mean, you 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 can't lose the next two games. At the at the least, you have to get a split. And I think if they get a split, um. I like their chances in the next three games at Virginia Tech, USC at home, and North Carolina. That's well put. You can't lose the next two, and I would be still stock up on the team if they if they split. Uh, and well, I mean, what's your con- confidence level if they will win the next two games against Wisconsin and Cincinnati? I mean, I would say split, win the next two, lose the next two is the order. I would agree. I would agree with that. If they win the next two. We're, we're looking at this team a whole lot differently, no matter how they do it. 
mean, if they that they was another that. another question in my mailbag of like, if Notre Dame won this weekend, would it change your perception on the season? And I said no. But if you ask me this a week from now, and they have just beaten, yep, if they beat Cincinnati, would that change my perception one hundred percent? That's a differentiator right there. These two games are a differentiator. I agree. Next question is from Dan Ernst, who gets to have his question answered because he lived the pain of the quality in Tallahassee as well. Third time caller, long <laughs> Notre Dame fans will be flocking to Chicago this weekend for a highly anticipated match against the Badgers of Wisconsin. This is overwrought, Dan. As three guys who have spent a lot of time close to Chicago, do you have any tips? Is Chicago pizza actually pizza or is Chicago pizza actually a casserole slash tomato soup in a bread bowl? What are acceptable condiments for Chicago hot dogs? Where can I get a good steak? I have dinner plans with a friend on Friday in Chicago, but I need to pick the spot. I'll hang up and listen. Pete, Pete, you're you're more versed in Chicago cuisine than I am. As a former Chicago resident, Chicago pizza absolutely is pizza. Um, But Chino's is my favorite pizza place in Chicago, although there are many good options. So the Chino's, it's uh, in Lincoln Park. Sort of around Clark and diversity area. That would be my go-to, but it's kind of hard to go wrong with that. Um, Chicago hot dogs, I stay away from because I feel like they're too fussy and I don't quite understand how they get the relish to be that green. Um, Any steakhouse in Chicago is fine. Um, And I may be the person that uh, has dinner with this question or Dan on Friday. We'll see. I'll let you, I'll let everyone know on next week's podcast how that turned out. Ketchup or mustard? Ketchup or mustard? Tim, what's your uh, Chicago hot dog condiment? Uh, totally ketchup. Uh oh, Jack, do you have headphones you can put on so you can uh, refute what Priester just said here? Is there right now? There's no, I, there's no refuting. <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, no. From the perspective of and, if uh, you like mustard, you like mustard. But I'm not there, putting mustard on my hot dog. There was a pretty long line of uh, Notre Dame media when JJ, I believe JJ Stankovitz, Jack Freeman, Len Clark, I might be missing one or two people, and mustard and a special type of mustard was the only ingredient they could have. So I know that there's being, there's some. Uh, have you ever, here. have you ever been in a restaurant? This is a family joke. You ever been in a restaurant where uh, you get, you get French fries and you ask for ketchup? And they say they don't have any. We can we can give you mayonnaise. No. What in the hell are we talking about here? This never happened to me. It happened to me. It's a family a famous Priester family story as to my reaction to not having any ketchup to have with my French fries. French fries, yeah. My reaction was so strong that they've since torn the place down, Bruno. Oh, if you, oh wow, That's, if you sell French fries, you should sell ketchup. I get that. I can somebody not having like let's say the steakhouse Pete and Dan are going to they might not have ketchup and I get that <laughs> but if you go somewhere that has French fries you got to serve ketchup. Got to do it. All right, last question leading into predictions. Notre Dame has not won a game away from home as an underdog since 2013 against Arizona State in Arlington. Do the Irish break the trend this Saturday? Hmm. I, I didn't know it had been that long, although I guess it's like when you start parsing out, it makes sense, right? Like I do uh, have them here. Brian Kelly's an underdog in his career, broken down into three different categories. The, re- the, the reason we mentioned the home winning streak and the wins over unranked competition is because Notre Dame is always ranked, so they're always favored, right. and they play more home games than road games. So there's not a lot of 
you don't go into road games and be the underdog very often. It's like basically at Georgia, at Clemson in 2015. Uh, there were underdogs at Michigan in 2019, I believe. There what about it? What about the month? What about the uh, hurricane in uh, Raleigh? That's they were what was the line on? What was the line on that? They were favored. They were uh, three point underdogs there, so they were <laughs> underdogs. Quick one. The last, in, since the Brian Kelly Renaissance, they are three and five straight up as an underdog. Two of those were impossible to win, though. So you can call them three and three if you want. Alabama and Clemson uh, in 2018 could not have been one. Um, they were they beat LSU in the Citrus. Um, they beat my they beat excuse me they beat Michigan at home. Lost to Clemson mm-hmm. that year. They lost at Georgia and lost at Michigan, if I recall correctly, in 2019. Can't remember the score. And um, obviously, they beat Clemson, a five-point favorite last year, and lost to Clemson, Alabama. That's since the Brian Kelly return to glory years, as opposed to three and eight straight up in the three previous years. And that's what he's referencing when he says since Arizona State. Your predictions for this game, guys? I um, have always sort of leaned on Notre Dame's offensive line being, if not the best unit on the field the strongest of the two offensive lines. That's sort of my default in college football. Like when you're not sure who's got the better offensive line, that's been Notre Dame in almost every game for the last four years, but it's not on Saturday. So I'm going to, I'll stick my guns on that and go with Wisconsin 17, 13. I think it will be a sort of a big 10 West vibe game. Um, Low scoring, very tight, not a lot of yards, not a lot of points. If Notre Dame wins, I would say that we're looking at a minimum of four explosive plays in the passing game. Um, But I think the more likely scenario is that Wisconsin's defensive front is makes getting to those four very difficult, makes rushing very difficult, uh, and Wisconsin has some success on the ground. So Wisconsin 17, Notre Dame 13. I agree with everything you said except I think Notre Dame will get the four plays. And I think Notre Dame's red zone defense and third down, well, I think both teams' third down defense will be great. I think Notre Dame's red zone defense will be very good. I don't think Wisconsin has to have much of a red zone defense because they won't, uh, Notre Dame won't visit it quite as much as Wisconsin does. But I am in the players making plays situation here, and I don't see enough players on Wisconsin to make me go with my Monday pick because – it is just Notre Dame's offensive line getting overrun. And I think because you're not playing Alabama, who scores 45 while your offensive line is getting overrun, you can stay in it. Mm-hmm. And I have Notre Dame in a 21 to 19 hold them to field goals struggle. And it could be 22 21 Wisconsin just as easily. But I feel like Notre Dame's going to get those four plays. So I'm going to stick with them. And I, of course, will have my prediction on Friday in our preview. The, the, the side that I really like is the under. The, the 46 line is is a little scary because it right I mean you know the junk touchdowns something yeah something fluky can can happen and put it over but I'll still stick with the under Tim I just gave you the most boring game ever and one junk touchdown puts that over the 21 exactly think, think of it that exactly way. it doesn't take much a 24 23 game puts it over or you know 27 20 something along those lines so uh, we'll, uh, we'll, I'll have my prediction Friday in our preview, and we appreciate everybody for joining us for Irish Illustrated Insight.
Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.